You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2212 South Broad Street. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 and 7 p.m. We're trying to turn our hearts toward Thanksgiving in this season. Um, When the leaders got together, we realized... You know, we live in this consumer culture where we're constantly bought, you know, advertised to, and we have the opportunity to compare our lives constantly with everybody else's. We have so many options, so many ways to, like, not be present and not even realize what God is doing, the miracles that God is doing for us and around us. And so... We want to try and take the next couple of weeks, eight weeks actually, before Advent and see if we can um, turn our hearts toward praise. And the way that we want to try and do that is we want to listen to some of the voices um, of the poor and, and the marginalized. And I would consider ourselves among those people. They're not, it's not an us and them thing. Um, so that we can experience what God is doing. And so tonight I want to talk to you about one of the more untold stories in the Bible. Um, it's a difficult story. It's, a f- it's full of uh, injustice, abandonment, abuse even, which makes God's provision to a no-name slave girl even more surprising. I think it's a story that reveals the true nature of the gospel, though, how God comes to the least powerful people in the worst of times and circumstances. Essentially, how God came to us in Jesus and continues to come to us. And how nothing can stop his attentive love. This is the secret underground movement that is threatening the powers and changing the world every day, even even as we suffer. And I think that many women are suffering right now under this. The story's about a woman, so many women are suffering right now under this presidential administration, but we know that that is nothing new in history. But still, it's tiring. Um, So I love all the stories in the Bible when God comes to women and helps them. I think we need to encounter the God who sees Elroy, as Hagar names God, because without knowing that God sees and understands our suffering, and not just women, all of our suffering, I think we suffer more. I officiated a wedding this weekend where I was picking up on all this like sadness and tension in the in the room, and it wasn't until one of the old aunts came up to thank me, and I always get the real scoop from the old aunts. Um, But she came up to thank me saying that, explaining that the family patriarch and matriarch had just gotten divorced after like 30 years of marriage, and the kids and the grandkids were like still reeling from this. And And she said that my words spoke to their pain and offered some hope of love again. That was the God who sees speaking through me, because I certainly did not see what was going on 
I didn't know where the pain was coming from. But God knew and is present to heal. So that's what Hagar's story is about tonight. Some people say that the story of Hagar shouldn't be in the Bible, that it's not important to the main narrative of Genesis. And, and that exact thinking made me mad enough to know that I had to tell this story because Hagar's story is the exact kind of story that the whole Bible is about, I think. It's about God coming to the least of these. But their argument was that nothing about Hagar's story contributes to the progression of the main narrative of Genesis, which is that God chose one man, Abraham, to carry out uh, this promise of blessing from God, that God would make a great nation through him. Hey, guys. And um, then the blessing would be passed down through Isaac and Jacob and so on. God was raising up a people to demonstrate his love through a particular person and would make a particular people, and I think that is true. But in their argument, Hagar's like a mistake. She's like a, a, uh, a blip on the screen, just one of Abraham's fits and fumbles in the struggle to fulfill God's plan for his life. She's like a messy complication in the story. And I think it would be easy to think of her that way, if you can get into the story with me here for the next five minutes. Um, She was not really important. She was, as a human being, she was rather invisible. She probably came to Abraham and Sarah um, through through their time in Egypt um, as like a piece of property from the pharaoh, um, during another one of Abraham's fumbles. If, if you remember the story, he had, he had um, kind of pimped out his wife, Sarah, to, to the king of Egypt um, to, to like stay in his good graces and amass wealth. And um, I think God wasn't having any of Sarah's suffering in that either. So, so everybody in the king's palace got sick. God sent plagues, and Pharaoh realized the mistake, and he sent them away with all these gifts of camels and cattle, and probably Hagar, too. I know, this is, this is the Old Testament, but God was there, too. Hagar was Sarah's slave girl, um, probably very young. She was forced to leave her homeland and country, and this picture looks like my Egyptian friend Kim when we were little. So there's my little version of Hagar. I can't imagine it was easy for her to leave her own mother and have this job of taking care of other people. In the Genesis story, Abraham and Sarah never even refer to her by name. It's always her work title, that, that slave girl or handmaid. She was a piece of property with a job. And her job got even worse when... Sarah can't get pregnant and starts to worry that God's promise is never going to be fulfilled through, through Abraham unless they make it happen. Which I always wonder why, this is a side note, but like the barrenness in the Old Testament, it's like, like they, they married their brothers and sisters, and I, I think they, they, did, they didn't know, obviously, that that's really bad for the gene pool, but I'm sure that contributed to the infertility. So anyway... They decide that Abraham is going to sleep with Hagar, and she gets pregnant, and she bears a son. 
until she gets pregnant and bears a son. So, like I said, this is a painful story. Even though I know it's, it's not, this is not like the illegal and adulterous situation um, back then that it would be today in our context, I think it is too similar to the ways that women are used and killed all over the world. The sex trade is the most profitable business on the planet. And women in our country, even women's bodies are used to sell everything from shampoo to football games. So I feel for Hagar in her surrogacy situation. And of course she gets some feelings about this baby, her baby, that begin to cause tension between her and Sarah. And Sarah begins to mistreat her. And so we, now we have the, that terrible woman-to-woman -woman animosity happening. And it gets so bad that she runs away from this dysfunctional family. And she goes out in the desert pregnant. And I bet she was in a lot of emotional pain to risk her life in, out there in the desert. And if the story was all about Abraham, we, we might say that she just died out there. Um, and he and Sarah could find another surrogate who was a little bit more compliant. And God makes this great nation out of them, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and the story goes on with the main characters. But that's not what happens. This Genesis story follows Hagar out into the wilderness where God often meets us too when we're at the end of our ropes. Hagar's in such pain that she almost gets all the way back to Egypt in the desert by herself when an angel of the Lord appears to her. A closer look at the scripture reveals that this angel is a manifestation of God himself coming to her. And they talk. God asks, where have you come from and where are you going? And I love that question. She admits, I'm running away. And God assures her, I see what you've been going through. And I'm going to make a great nation out of your son too. Go back and have this baby. I'm going to take care of you both. And when the angel disappears, she wonders, did I really just see God and not die? Because people thought back then, if you saw God, you would certainly die. But she didn't. And I want to just hit the pause button here um, and tell you all the firsts that just happened um, to little insignificant Hagar, this slave girl, this nobody, um, who was young, single, mistreated and lost. Hagar becomes the first woman in the Bible visited by a divine messenger. She's the first woman to be given the promise of descendants. She's the first woman to see and have a conversation with God. She's the only person in all of scripture, as far as I know, who gives God a name, El Roy, which means you are the God who sees. And that's why we sing that song all the time, God Sees Me. Hagar, the slave girl, the nobody, the invisible has been seen and called out by her name, by the angel of the living God who's protecting and providing for her in her suffering. I think that is the story of the Bible. That is our God.
and I don't think we should let anybody in power tell us otherwise. And so Hagar goes back in the strength of the Lord, and she has faith. And she has this baby, and I'm sure her life wasn't easy um, in, the, in this tension of being owned by other people. But Sarah does get pregnant with Isaac, and the tension finally gets so great that they ask her to leave. And um, this time they send her and her son Ishmael out into the desert, and of course they get to this point where they run out of water, and she's despairing for her son's life. And she puts him under a bush to die, and God shows up again and points to a spring of water and, and leads them to a place where they can live. It's so ironic to me that through all of this abuse and mistreatment that she actually, that God makes a way for her freedom in the end of this story. Like, she's not owned anymore. I don't think any of our slavery to other people or things is really okay with God. He has something better in mind for all of us. And that's why I love God's question to her. And I wonder if you can just pause, pause for a minute and ask it to yourself. Where have you come from and where are you going? I think it would be good to ask ourselves that question every morning. Don't you? In, t- in terms of your faith journey, where have you come from and where are you going? For me, I think in some ways it would be I come from depression and people-pleasing and self-condemnation and anger and loneliness. And I'm going now into mercy and belovedness to God and communion with God and community forever. And that's where the gratitude and praise comes in for me when I call it to remembrance and when I can notice it happening, when I can see it playing out. In, in all the regular moments of my day, where I've come from compared to where God is taking me. My cell was kind of blown away by, by Jesus' words um, this week. There's this, there's this point when Jesus um, is being challenged for just telling his story. People are doubting his testimony of who he is, and he says to them, I know where I come from and where I'm going. Even though you don't know, I know. He was hanging on to it in the face of people who didn't know and love him. Powerful authorities were trying to trap and intimidate him. And he, what, he, he wasn't having it. He was hanging on to his identity in God and, and in the fact that he was not alone. The Lord knows the sound of our cries. When Ishmael was out there in the desert crying, God said to his mother, don't be afraid. God has heard the voice of your child. And I can remember being on the playground with my kids, and no matter what, no matter who I was talking to or what I was doing, I'd recognize the sound of my kids' voices above all the other kids. My heart has just been tuned to their particular voices since since day one, and I don't always know what's going on, but I often know that something is, and I take great comfort in knowing that God has heard the voice of my children. 
not just Zach and Corey, but all of you now, and the people, and all the people of Philadelphia and South Jersey that God has given us to love. God hears our cries. And some of the ways that we love are so practical, like our baby goods exchanges, and this was our most recent one. But I think that Hagar and Ishmael are like every black person or Arab who has been suspected or falsely accused or not considered for the job. They're like every woman who has been used and discarded. Every kid that got in trouble for bringing a fork to school to eat their food, like my kid did this week, taken as a weapon. Every person who feels like a mistake. Every dishwasher or construction worker without health insurance. Every fast food provider. Every kid in the hood. Every hospital worker across the street. Every student at South Philly High. Every caregiver that doesn't have time or money to think about their own future. Every social worker who's too tired at the end of the day to even rest. Hagar and Ishmael are like every one of us who has been passed over or mistreated or lost in the sauce at some point. They're like everyone who thinks that no one really cares or understands our situation. God hears our, the cries of the invisible. And when we reach out to him, often through community like this, our eyes can be open to the life-giving water that is available. I think we are part of that water. We are part of that water for one another through our cells, through our compassion teams, through the resources and companionship that we are able to offer. Through Christ, everyone is that particular person through whom the blessing will come. Pray with me. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for seeing us, each of us, in exactly what we're going through and knowing and caring about that. I pray that you would help us to be a people that see and know each other through friendship in the, in the, in the ways that we're trying now and also in the ways that um, we haven't tried yet. Help us to have those eyes like you that notice what's going on. Thank you that nobody is a mistake and that you are the God who redeems. Help us to be part of that redemption with you. I know we already are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.